Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Sound Prince for the week of July 31, 2016. There certainly is some hot news to share with you this week. We often laugh about the blind grapevine. In fact, the opening music of Sound Prince is I Heard It Through the Grapevine, and we chose that song many years ago because we have always tried to keep you up to date on what's happening in the blind community. This past Tuesday, July 26, around 10 a.m., officials from the Kentucky Department of Education paid a visit to the Kentucky School for the Blind, and shortly thereafter, Principal Debbie Phillips was seen loading her things into her car and leaving the campus. On Wednesday, Commissioner of Education Stephen Pruitt, who announced both at the Kentucky School for the Blind Founders Day and KSB graduation in May that he was the superintendent of the school, met with staff and announced that Mr. Tristan Parsons would serve as interim principal of the school. Mr. Parsons has already responded to an email sent by alumni president Deanna Scoggins, and he plans to meet with us early this week. It appears that the frigid relationship between the school, the alumni, and possibly others could be thawing. We'll keep you posted on future developments. Denise Colley from Washington State is one of the new members of the ACB Board of Directors. Denise was elected to the board at the recently concluded ACB Conference and Convention in Minnesota. Meet Denise up close and personal on page 2. Page 3 and 4 combine for a sound prince first. Mark Glasser is from Denver, Colorado, and he was at the ACB convention in Minnesota. But more importantly, Mark was one of a handful of blind delegates to the Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia. We interviewed Mark on Saturday, July 23, as he was getting ready to leave for Philadelphia. Listen on page 3. Then on page 4, you'll hear us check in with him right after the Colorado vote on Tuesday evening. The sound for this segment may be a bit uneven, as I had to speak quite loudly so he could hear me over the crowd noise around him in the convention hall. Both segments have some interesting tidbits, behind-the-scenes details about the convention that we think you will find fascinating. And on page 5 is the Sound Prince calendar. Page 2. Denise Colley was just elected to the ACB Board of Directors for a four-year term as a director, and she is from Washington State. She's on the phone with us now, and we're going to chat with her a little bit. And, Denise, we're just so glad you're with us. Thank you, Carla, for inviting me. Denise, you've been sort of Miss Board of Publications here for the last few years when Kim was elected president, she announced that she was appointing you as chair of the BOP, and you've served in that capacity for the last three years, and now moving over to the board of directors, and this is the first time you've been on the board of directors, I think, so we're just real glad you're there. Um, You were there for a year as an ex-officio member, but it's a little different when you've not only got a seat, but you've got a vote, so so welcome to the board. Thank you, and yeah, it is a little different. I actually was there for two years because um, when I first went on the Board of Publications, I thought it was really important that mm-hmm. I, as the chair, um, have an opportunity to see how the Board of Directors works. Yeah. 
that and is I did true. it for two years and thought, well, okay, you know, yeah, I couldn't vote, but I pretty much saw how the board of directors worked and what the issues were and thought I'd like to be more a part of that. I'll tell you, after you sat through those long meetings, <laughs> and you, you really didn't say a whole lot on those and, and when you were there as an ex-officio member, but, you know, you were just always really up on things, and then you would go back to the BOP and report, and um, it, it was obvious that you weren't just kind of sitting there just, you know, just kind of not paying any attention. <laughs> if you could go through all of that and then want to be on this board for four more years, that's pretty darn good. So um, I'm, I'm just really glad you're there. I think you're going to make a great board member. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, tell us a little bit about about. Denise, not especially your, the ACB Denise that has, you know, has been coming to conventions for a long time, but you know, what you, your background and um, what you like to do when you're not wearing an ACB hat, um, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. you work, so, all that kind of stuff. Well, um, I, uh, in my employment history, um, I had done, I've, I've been retired since, uh, July of 2010, yay, mm -hmm. and, um, and did you ever have to, do you know how you ever had time to work? No, I don't know how I ever had time to work. <laughs> no. <laughs> and um, so, but, but in that capacity, um, I was, I had did several things. I was a rehabilitation teacher for a couple years. I was a vocational rehab counselor for about four years. Um, I worked for our state's higher education coordinating board and was sort of the, the liaison between the board, the governing board, and the disabled student services offices at the colleges. Mm -hmm. And I also was the um, <clears throat> manager of what was the Northwest Disability and Business Technical Assistance Center. So I was sort of the ADA expert in the state of Washington and did a lot of ADA training and things like that. Um, I have been actively involved with my church. Um, I taught Sunday school for several years, sixth grade, fifth and sixth grade girls, and I was on the um, Board of Deacons for our church for six years. In a time that was really trying, we had to let some staff go. We had some budget issues, so I know all about what that's all mm -hmm. like. <laughs> that's good. Mm -hmm. um, not that we're planning to let any staff go, but... <laughs> no, I hope not. Well, we didn't want to either, but... Oh, no, but... You know, sometimes yeah. you've got to do those things. Sometimes you have to you have to make, and not just related to staff, but sometimes on the board, you have a finite pot of money, mm -hmm. and it needs to stretch out to seemingly infinite numbers of projects. Right. Yeah, right. so that's good. I, um... Since I retired, um, I, of course, I love to sing. I'm a singer, um, done uh, choir and solo work most of my life. Um, my voice isn't as good as it used to be, but um, I still do it. So um, I sing with two uh, choruses. One is just a really fun kind of thing where we go out every other month to convalescent centers and retirement um, facilities and put on a concert and um it's uh, about a 45-minute concert, and we do just the really fun, light stuff. Mm -hmm. um, we, three years ago, moved into what's called Panorama. It's a continuing care retirement facility. Um, it's probably one of the 
uh, top five facilities in the country, and they have, it, it's been very exciting because they have all kinds of activities and things you can get involved in and things that we've never tried before. So they have their own internal radio station. It's, an, it's a Comcast insert. Really? And so I have done interviewing for um, a program called Meet Your Neighbor where we get to meet new people who move on campus. I also work the sound board. I never thought I would do those things. Oh, how fun. Um, they have a 60-voice chorus that does two performances a year, and I sing with them. Um, we have what's called resident transit because our campus is a 140-acre campus, and so for people trying to get around it can be difficult. So we mm -hmm. have cars that go up and down from Monday through Friday throughout the day and pick people up and take them where they want to go on campus. So we dispatch for that, um, and I'm secretary of their board. And I've had an opportunity to get involved with some readers' theater, which I've always wanted to do. So it's exciting because, um, you know, we, we are getting an opportunity to try things we never thought we would before. Mm -hmm. It sounds like a fabulous place to be. I it mean, is. It's very goodness. awesome. And no wonder you don't have time to work. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having too much fun doing all these fun things, <laughs> no, as well as doing ACB stuff and doing um, WC, uh, Washington Council of the Blind stuff because I'm on their board and mm -hmm. chair their legislative committee, and uh, I'm also the database lady for uh, the Washington Council of the Blind. So oh. that all keeps me busy. You keep up with the mailing list? Yeah, things like that. Yeah, I do that too for the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Yep. You know, and people people don't realize that takes time. It takes hours and oh, hours. Yeah. yeah. And I think one of my biggest frustrations is that I tell my chapter presidents over and over again, please, 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 when you turn in your membership list every year, make sure they're up to date. Don't just turn in the list you turned in last year. Well, but it doesn't always happen. Nope, nope. And, um, it it can be too interesting in trying to make sure that maybe uh, in thinking about you know ongoing and transitioning that it's in some format that can be passed along and you know I've kept I've kept our database for years on my braille note well mm -hmm. that's not always going to be compatible with somebody else right. so right now I'm into okay let's let's see if we can put this into Excel. And my issue is I like to see things entered in Braille because I know I haven't made a mistake. Mm -hmm. So that can yep. be, That's you know, and, and, and trying not to create double work. You exactly. Know. <laughs> <laughs> already, it's already a lot, so you don't want to create more work. Yes. So, Well, have you always lived in Washington? Yes, I've always lived in Washington. I grew up in Spokane, which is in eastern Washington. Um, went to school there, graduated from college there, um, and then... Um, and Burl and I were married in 1980, and in 82, he was offered a job here over here in Olympia, which is about 60 miles south of, of uh, Seattle. So we moved over here and didn't have a job for a while, but then, you know, started working for our services for the blind. In fact, when I first became a rehab teacher, which was the first job I had when I got over here, it was because it was an emergency field because the person who was in it had passed away from a heart attack. Oh, my goodness. Not a great way to get a job, but <laughs> it opened the door for me. So. Right, right. Well, it's too bad they had that problem, but exactly. <laughs> good that you had the opportunity. So uh, what are your other hobbies? I, I didn't know that you'd you know, we're into choruses and singing mm -hmm. and things. So mm -hmm. tell us about some of the other things that we might not know. 
Well, let's see. I collect um, porcelain dolls. Oh. Um, my mom got me started on doing that one year when she wanted to buy a doll for Christmas that she saw out in one of those kiosks out in the mall. And mm-hmm. my sister, it wasn't something my sister wanted to do, so she said, would you be interested in starting to collect dolls? So I probably have about 35 of those. Do um, you have any specific types that you like to collect or... You know, um, do you like well, them all dressed up? Or? Yeah, I like them dressed up. I li- I started out collecting musical porcelain dolls, mm-hmm. and then I kind of moved away from that. I've got um, some dolls from uh, around the world. Um, it was a, a around the world collection. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple that I got that are all in Alaska garb. Because mm. um, one of the things we love to do is cruise, mm-hmm. and uh, I think I've done about nine, ten cruises now. I've been to Alaska about three times. Mm. And actually, I was all excited because at convention, I went on the Laura Ingalls Wilder Museum tour and went to the gift shop, and they had porcelain dolls, so now I'm the proud owner of a Laura Ingalls Wilder doll. Oh, how neat. Yeah. Well, I got into porcelain dolls um, when I became addicted in the 1990s to Home Shopping Club. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Mine mine, mine came off with QVC. (laughs) Yeah, well... Oh my gosh! I would, I would sit on the couch and watch for the president's dolls to come mm-hmm. up. You know, mm-hmm. they had the first lady dolls, mm-hmm. but I don't think they ever finished the collection. Yeah. You know, they only got like through ten or twelve of them, and then they stopped. Yep. But yep. then I stopped too. There was other things that came along that I quit yep. watching it so much. Oh, yep. I had to. You know. <laughs> So. I um, love to read. I'm mm-hmm. an avid reader. Um, I People laugh at me because um, Bard is just not enough for me. I also mm. have to have Audible mm-hmm. and Kindle and, uh, um, the, uh, uh you know, no, uh, Barnes and Noble and... Uh-huh. You sound like Jane Sheehan. <laughs> uh, uh, um, uh, voice Dream with mm-hmm. um, Bookshare. So mm-hmm. you know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you can't ever have too many books. No. You never can. So, and and do you like to read more on your iPhone or on, you know, which way do you really prefer? If you had a choice. Um, actually, I, I like reading best on my stream, my Victor Reader stream. But mm-hmm. um, I have all of the apps on my phone, mm-hmm. and I'm actually, and so I do, especially my Kindle and Bookshare books. I read off my phone exclusively. And I have discovered in some ways that um, Audible, at this point, is easier to download onto my phone than it is to download into my Victor Reader stream. So I tend to read a lot of my Audible books now on my phone, too. Bard, I have the app, but I tend to read most of those books off of my Victor. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you say that you all have done a lot of cruises. Mm-hmm. What would you consider to be one of the most unusual experiences that you've had on a cruise or a trip? Somewhere I know that you all like to also take trips by train. And oh, yes. <laughs> We've gone all over the country on by train. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, gosh. Most unusual. Um, or let's say most memorable, maybe. It well, might be hard to pick. Well, most memorable was, was not really a good experience, unfortunately. <laughs> we went to Barbados. And um, we were went on a tour of I always forget what this is called, but those were the, the high speed plane that that where you could go from one country to another really quick. I can't even remember what they're called anyway. Mm. 
we were at the museum to see those planes and to see the plane that they had there. And we got there, and the the docent said to my to Bro and I, "Well, now you you guys stay down here um, while we go through the plane, and we have a video that we're going to show you, and then we'll come oh. back down and finish the 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 tour and the sharing." And it was one of those situations where I thought, okay, I don't know what the ADA laws are here in Barbados, <laughs> yeah. but this is just not right, you know, but we paid to go on this tour. We don't have any trouble going up steps and going into this plane. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I was, I let her know I wasn't happy, but I made a, didn't make a big issue of it until I got back to the ship and I talked to the, the um, guest relations person and I said, I just want you to know that that was the worst tour we ever had, and frankly, I think we should get our money reimbursed, and we didn't. And he said, oh, well, we'll definitely look into it. And, of course, that was the last I heard. But mm-hmm. that was one of those times when, I, you know, you're trying to decide, do you assert your civil rights or do you be quiet because it isn't going to matter when you're in another country? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think I would have... <laughs> There'd have been sparks coming out of my ears, you know. Oh, I bet you were. But but again, what do you do? Because you know, American laws don't apply. That's right. They don't apply in other countries. Right. Right. So, yeah. Well, um, also tell us about maybe um, something that you've seen that um, that you think was, you know, really unusual that. That you would, if, if you could, maybe you'd go back and see it again. We did a tour um, to the Baltic, and um, our last stop was in um, Oslo, Norway. And it was absolutely pouring down rain that day, but one of the neatest things we ever saw was they had this huge sculpture garden. I mean, it was just huge. And the sculptures, you'd go from one to the next, and it kind of told a story of Norway and, and the country and how it was established and some of its, um, you know, some of its customs and stuff. But it was an absolutely wonderful sculpture tour. tour. It was very tactile, and I would definitely do that again, especially if it wasn't raining. <laughs> Maybe the next time you go, it won't be yeah. all nice and sunny. All Maybe nice it'd be cold. Sunny. It could it be cold. Probably would be cold. <laughs> <laughs> so well, all right. So you're on the board for four years. Mm-hmm. You have the possibility, of course, of running for another four-year term, but you want to only think about the first four years to start with. Right. <laughs> you kind of think of things in terms of the the term that you're on there. Mm-hmm. Um. So, what are some of the things that you would like to see? ACB accomplished, and they don't have to be big things, um, but some things that maybe we could accomplish that you would like to see in the next four years. Well, for me, and and I said this as a part of my um, campaigning, was that I really believe that one one of my greatest concerns is the disconnect that I think still exists between the board and national and our uh, state and special interest affiliates, and especially especially our special interest affiliates, because you know people when they join, they all join for different reasons. And I think that we're not taking full advantage of the fact that the reason a lot of people join initially is because they want to join a special interest affiliate because it's geared to something they're specifically interested in. 
and and it's much easier to relate to that than to relate to a let me join my local chapter or my state affiliate. And I just think that we need to find, and I I don't have the answers yet, but I want to be a part of finding a better way to connect with them. I think that the mentoring liaison program that the board has started with the affiliates is great, but I'm concerned that I don't think it, while it was a great idea, I don't think it's been implemented really well. And I don't think, I think we need to establish some guidelines and some parameters around it. And we really need to find a way to make our affiliates feel like, yes, they can talk to their board liaison, and yes, they can interact with their board liaison, and it's not going to take away their autonomy, you know, as a state or special interest affiliate. So that's my, I think, my biggest issue and my biggest concern. Do you think that in accomplishing that, basically what you're saying is bringing all of the affiliates, be they state or special interest, and ACB as a national organization closer together to work together more as a team right? rather than as all these separate little entities exactly. out here that just happen to be affiliated with a national organization. And, and finding a way to do that that does not you know, take away the independence or the, um, as you say, the autonomy of those individual affiliates. You know, do you think that in that may be coming up with projects or things that we all can um, or that some groups would be interested in working on together maybe could help to solve uh, some of those issues and get people kind of working together more? I, I, yeah, I think, you know, coming up with the, with things that, you know, we saw this year at convention that we saw a lot of the special interest interest affiliates working closer together and having, uh, you know, joint um, breakout sessions, which I thought was good, um, you know, making them feel supported and making them feel like, yes, you really are important. So, um, you know, ways that ways that we can come up with to pull them in and get them more involved in working on projects that we can all work on together. And I think this whole idea of the affiliate um, sort of the 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 group that they want to form where affiliates can come together and talk to each other and because mm-hmm. you know I don't think the affiliates talk to each other either yeah so I, I think that's really that dialogue. true mm-hmm. yeah I know we've we've tried for years to get um, to get the uh, various affiliates and committees ACB committees which are also in this mix mm-hmm. um, and various inter- entities to do combined programming um, at the convention, you can go back and look for years and years and years and see some of that. But but I think that's even though it's happened every year, um, it's it's almost as if it it just um, there's there's not a there's there's not a direction mm-hmm. that that goes in. It just happens it if just it happens, if yeah. it happens if a group happens to talk to another group and happens to work with somebody else. Well, then that's great. But it's it's strictly at the initiation of one group or whatever. It's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's not something that we're working on, like as part of through the convention process. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. hopefully that will that will happen. And that liaison program, um, 
you know, we started that. And some affiliates, some it's really helped with some. Mm-hmm. And with others, it's just kind of there. And mm-hmm. I would hazard to guess that there are some affiliates who may not even be sure who their liaison I is. I think so. And have said, well, I never got contacted. Well, right, you know. right, right. Yeah. And I'd, I'd be willing to, to, to put money on that. So, mm-hmm. so and, and that doesn't mean that. And, and from the board person's point of view, I think sometimes you know the the people involved in in uh, from the board side may feel well the affiliate will contact me if they if have an issue. Yeah. If I don't hear anything, then all is well. Yeah. And it's not going to happen that way, right? You know? so, so I think it's a communication uh-huh. thing too. A I lot agree. Of times. Well, Denise, I am just so glad that you are on this board. Congratulations. And we will look forward to seeing you in Reno. Sounds like a plan. Thank you. Thank you so much. Find books and more in accessible media with APH's free of charge Louis database. HTTP colon slash slash org. Locate accessible educational materials from nearly 200 different agencies. APH products and textbooks can also be located using Louis. New extended searching now available with free Louis Plus. Visit soon. HTTP colon slash slash L-O-U-I-S dot A-P-H dot org. Many book materials help Braille users jot notes quickly. Pull APH's mini book Braille binder out of your pocket and begin to write on the mini book slate in just seconds. Materials are sold separately so that you can choose the combination that's right for you. Call the American Printing House for the Blind, toll-free, 800-223-1839, or visit www.aph.org. Page 3. I'm speaking with Mark Lasser, who is from Denver, Colorado. Mark is a delegate to the Democratic National Convention beginning Monday, July 25, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And the interesting thing is Mark is a blind person who will be going to this convention. Mark was in Minneapolis uh, at the ACB convention. And, Mark, we are just really, really excited that you are going to be in Philadelphia as a delegate from Colorado. So welcome to Soundprints and to ACB Radio, and please tell us a little bit about how you got to this point. What has happened? What got you to be a delegate? Sure thing. Thanks for having me. So I started the process. You know, every state has a different process to become a delegate. And here in Colorado, the process uh, is quite democratic, and we generally start by attending our caucuses and that are caucuses, um, which are basically groups of people in a precinct, which, you know, in Denver could be as small an area as 10 uh, city blocks by 10 city blocks, okay. and it's your neighbors. And you select a few people from your caucus to uh, move up and represent at the county convention. And uh, I then attended the county convention for Denver County, and we take a preference poll at the beginning of that convention to determine how many, uh, I'm a Democrat, so how many Clinton and how many Sanders delegates are proportioned. And uh, based on that, we then uh, select delegates from the county to move forward to both the state convention and also to uh, the congressional district uh, assembly. And the congressional district is basically represents the area where your, your congressman or congresswoman represents from. 
Mm-hmm. So uh, in our case, uh, we also had to file some paperwork of intent to be a national delegate uh, quite early, be- months before any of these conventions, um, so that they could uh, have your name and present it on a ballot at those conventions. In uh, my case, at the county, at our, sorry, at our congressional district convention and assembly, we had 125 people that wanted to be delegates, and we had nine uh, spots. And so there were quite a lot number of people interested, which is always fun. Uh, that's not the case usually in an interim election year. You know, for example, in, in 2012, when we had an incumbent president, you, you don't tend to get that many people that excited about being delegates. Mm-hmm. So what I did at the Congressional District Assembly was I sort of rounded up um, my wife and uh, her mother and uh, several friends I knew who were blind friends in the area who were politically interested and uh, just other friends who were, who were not blind. And we came up with a flyer, and the flyer listed why I wanted to be a delegate, and it included in that several points, especially about blind um, issues. I wanted to talk about uh, repeal of Section 14C of Fair Labor Standards, which is the subminimum wage provisions. I uh, wanted to talk about the ratification of the Marrakesh Treaty, uh, for for uh, 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 books and, and blind literacy, mm-hmm. and also wanted to talk about the 80% blind unemployment rate. And so the flyer we made included all of these things plus uh, other issues that were important to us, and it had a picture of an American flag, and superimposed over that were two hands reading Braille. Oh, and uh, to like sort of really communicate flyer. who we were. Yeah, just a, a campaign yeah. flyer. A campaign yeah. flyer. Yeah. And we reached out, and I think there were about a thousand people there. Um, between me and my team of people, I think we managed to reach out to about 700 people in about two hours uh, as they were going into the meeting and, and registering. Mm-hmm. And in that process, everybody, at the end of it, everybody gets a vote. You don't get to talk, you just get to stand up in front of the room and say your name. So you have to make that impression before the, the meeting. And we, uh, we clearly did. And I got an email that night from the party that said uh, that there were actually only two men that were going to be appointed to Sanders' pledged delegates, and, and I was one of the two. Wow. That's impressive, just to be able to reach that many people and get that, many, that much support in that short a period of time. You know, that's a real talent. So, so you were chosen at that level. Yeah, so, so we were chosen at that level, and then you go through a, a simple certification process where basically they do a very simple background check on you, just to make mm-hmm. sure you're not, um, you know, on the most wanted list. And as soon as you clear that, you're certified to be a delegate. And then the work starts of trying to raise the money to get to the next step. Now, had I not been elected at the congressional level, I would have mm-hmm. competed against 500 people for what's called an at-large delegate. Okay. Um, so there's really three kinds of delegates at that convention. There's the people that represent the congressional districts. There's the at-large delegates from the state. Um, well, there's actually four types. There's what we call a PLEO, which is a party leader or an elected official. And then there's the superdelegates, which I'm sure um, the listeners have heard quite a bit about on the news if they're following the conventions and the controversy around the superdelegates. Mm-hmm. And so then you, then you have a meeting, and they go, by the way, we told you it was going to be expensive to do this. And you find out how bad that is. And so they estimate that the cost of attending the convention is going to be um, between uh, four and $6,000. You know, you've got your airfare to Philadelphia, which is, you know, more or less normal. 
Um, you've got the hiked up food rates potentially, although we're we've been we're being pretty resourceful and finding you know some some lower lower price alternatives. Mm-hmm. Um, but the biggest expense by far is the hotel room, which is kind of um, just horrifying. We are in one of the more moderate price hotels. We're at an Embassy Suites in Philadelphia, um, which is you know certainly not the Four Seasons or the Ritz Carlton, but it's you know it's it's a little bit nicer than the Hampton Inn. Mm-hmm. They're charging us. $575 per night, and we need to be there for five nights. We really need to be there uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and um, Thursday night uh, for it. So it's it's pretty crazy. I, I, we heard the Hyatt Hotel was as much as $800, and the people that were staying an hour and a half outside of the city center, out by the airport or in Valley Forge, they're still paying in the area of $400 a night. And so. ACB attendees think that they have a high rate at 89 sometimes. Yeah, no, 89 is <laughs> pretty good. Everybody, next time you go to ACB, uh, find your, your event organizers and thank them profusely for keeping your room rates down, please. <laughs> yeah, at uh, $500 a night, uh, that... Um, 575 oh, five, oh, yes, let's don't shortchange it any. <laughs> no. My goodness. And, and of course... I'm sure the food prices at the restaurants around will be inflated uh, for all those travelers. And uh, well, I'm pretty resourceful. I, I yeah. have found some good deals. I found some lunch specials that I've already researched on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that most of the most of us, you know, certainly, um, you know, I, I can't speak to every delegate, but I, I know my other Sanders Pledge delegates fairly well, and most of us are certainly not of of you know means we're not a wealthy group of people mm-hmm. and so people are sharing hotel rooms to try to defray that cost i guess and almost everybody has set up a gofundme page and um gofundme allows people to contribute money to you uh in increments as small as five dollars mm-hmm. and um i think the last time i looked i had 40 different people or more who had contributed to my gofundme and my gofundme had raised um a little over three thousand dollars wow so that clearly has like I, I just, you know, without that, it would have been a big hardship to do it. So that's mm-hmm. helped a ton. I assume that Monday is the first day that you actually begin to do things. It is. There's some kind of a reception Sunday night um, that I don't know if I'll attend. But uh, every day starts with an eight o'clock in the morning uh, breakfast meeting, and you know they have speakers. Sometimes, if your state is sort of not considered a pivotal state, um, the speakers may just be. Uh, people from your own delegation that are elected officials. But I heard that Florida, which is very much in play this year, um, their guest for their breakfast for Monday is, is Hillary Clinton. Oh, my goodness. Uh, because Florida is so in play and, and so important. I imagine Pennsylvania will get a visit from her as well. Like The states mm-hmm. where um, it's not a lock for the candidate is definitely a place where they'll spend some time. So we get our we get our credentials every day, daily in the morning um, at that breakfast meeting, and they're delivered by armored vehicle. They're they're such a protected commodity that they will not. It's not like going to ECB where you get your badge when you show up and you just have it. Um, okay. You you have to have photo ID to get your um, to get your credential, and you have to get a new one each day. And people have even been known to uh, snatch and grab them on the street, so they tell you to protect it. Um, and wear it under your clothing when you're out in public because people are known to try to, to take them. Um, so those are, it's, those are given out each morning at 8 o'clock, and if you're not at the breakfast meeting, you actually um, ha- can lose your credential to an alternative, oh. uh, to an alternate candidate. So 
That's the first order of business. And then we have business at the convention center uh, all four days. And there's, there's literally thousands of, of special interest groups vying for attention. There, there's veterans groups. There's um, communications workers. There's healthcare workers. There's retired government employees. And they're all holding different events throughout the day. And then there's sort of official programming as well at the convention center. So that goes on from pretty much 9 o'clock in the morning until uh, 2 in the afternoon. And then we have to move about seven miles over to the Wells Fargo Center where the uh, 76ers play basketball. And that's about a seven-mile drive across town. And that's the big arena where the convention's held at nighttime. And Gavel usually starts and falls there at about uh, uh, 3 in the afternoon. Uh, the televised part starts a few hours later. So some of the days we have some business, but eventually it, it turns into speakers. But we do a number, a bit of business there, including platform voting, minority reports, uh, adopting the rules for the convention. And, you know, obviously uh, on Tuesday we'll take a roll call vote for the candidate, and um, then the candidate will speak on the last night on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And okay. then the gavel falls. And then when the gavel falls to end it each night, there's another set of activities. So believe it or not, at, at 11 o'clock, when, that, when, when the convention part is over with the gavel, um, there are then dozens of other events happening that don't start until 11 o'clock at night. And those will go till sometimes 2 or 3 in the morning. And um, people often will, will come in at you know, 3, 3.30 to their hotel and then have to be up again at 7 for the next day. It's, it's, a, it's a long day. Uh, yes, I would say it is. Um, people don't, I don't think people realize how long those hours are. When they see yeah. it on TV, they just think it's maybe the three or four hours. And, uh, you know, there's a chance to meet people on the floor, and, 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 you know, depending on the meetings you're going to, you'll meet other delegates. So, for example, on Wednesday, I'll be going to the meeting for the Disability Caucus, and uh, at that meeting, I'll be meeting people from other, um, with other disabilities. And then, of course, you know, we're, we do other things. So, for example, um, I, I managed to... I had, it took a lot of effort, but I managed to identify uh, five other blind delegates in addition to myself. Where are they and from, organized... Mark? Where are the so other ones from? Can, can I give the names or just where they're from? Sure. I, I don't, if you want to, yeah, so we sure. Have, we have, because people may know some of these guys. Yes, So we have please. Homer Page. Homer's from Columbus, Missouri. Uh, we have Justin Sampson. It's like Justin, but with an E, J-E-S-T-I-N. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Justin's a 28-year-old student from Anaheim, California. Okay. Uh, we have a woman named Michelle Krug from San Diego. Uh, we have a fellow named Gabe Cazares who works for the NFB and is part of the Maryland delegation as an alternate delegate. And we have a fellow named uh, Robert Kearney, who is a Democratic official. I think he's a secretary in his county um, uh, in Indiana. Huh. Uh, wow. That's everybody. We had another one. We had a fellow named Tom Gruska from here in Colorado as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom was not able to come up with the funding. And, uh, you know, you and I will talk later about accessibility issues, but Tom was so concerned about the lack of accessibility issues to some degree um, that he decided to remove himself as a delegate, even though he had been elected to be one. And I'm assuming, so that, 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 I'm assuming that when that happens, that then there's an alternate that the party has ready to move into that spot. That's right. Okay. Yeah, we have alternates. And then when, when we lose an alternate by the alternate becoming a delegate, um, we then elect a new alternate. So we always have alternates at the ready. And when we get to the convention floor, um, the people who have a voting credential will be seated on the floor, and the alternates are seated close by. They're, they're in the 
sort of bottom ring of the arena, um, and we can get to them if we need them. So for some reason, a voting delegate, um, for some reason, isn't, in the, uh, isn't on the floor when a vote's called. We can grab that alternate, and that alternate can be seated and, and vote, and then we have the backup alternate. So it's a little crazy, but we're always covered. I always wondered, like, who the heck are these people, right? You're yes. Like, How yeah. are these people? Like, who are these people? Like, right. do they just get tapped? On the shoulder, like, are they just, are they all, I know some people think they're all, like, party insiders. They're mm-hmm. all, like, these people that know people. Mm-hmm. And, and there are states where that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that's not true for the most majority of people. The majority of people are regular people that just wanted to get involved. They're school teachers. They're, sometimes they're people that go to, like, their monthly meeting for the Democrats in the county mm-hmm. where they live. Mm-hmm. Um, but other times it's people that just got involved this time and just wanted to be a part of it and wanted to, participate in that process. In fact, even the fellow who's an elector from our area, who actually will be a member of the Electoral College that does that work, uh, he's a, a young man who, who was a Marine, and um, he's in his early 20s, and he just said he wanted to be an elector, and, and he sort of lobbied a lot of people around and expressed why he wanted to do it, and we made him an elector. Uh, and it's all through a democratic process. What, if I could ask, what what do you do in your other life when you're not going to this convention? I am still looking for work. I the last job I had, I was teaching at the university level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was teaching accounting at the University of Colorado's College of Business. And um, a few years ago I, is when I lost my eyesight. I actually lost mine very quickly over the period of about a week. Oh. And um, so I've I have not been back to work. I am actively looking for work. So I'm doing a lot of. Uh, rehab work and trying to figure out if uh, if that's what I'm going to go back to or if I'm going to look at doing something different. Um, I'm interested in so many things that it's almost uh, difficult to choose. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not for lack of, of interests. So I'm in the process of that. But my training is as an accountant, mm-hmm. and um, I've got a, a, an MBA and an MS in accounting, so that's sort of my background. So for our listeners out there, hopefully the next segment you will hear will be an interview uh, where we will uh, be talking to you with you actually in Philadelphia and giving us a little flavor of what's going on there. Yeah, hopefully we're actually on the floor of the convention at the time. If we have a strong enough signal, we'll try that. Page four. One second. Okay. Hey guys. Um, um, you just need to go high enough for her to hear us. Okay. I want her to be able to hear a little bit in the background. But is that enough noise to give mm-hmm. you some feel for yes. where we are, but still hear me? Yes. We've caught up with Mark Lasser again. Colorado has just voted at the Democratic National Convention, and he's actually on the floor, as you can hear in the background. Mark, tell us what it's been like today and yesterday and today. Crazy is, like, to say the least. Uh, we, started, we started our days at about 7.30 in the morning. Uh, last night we got back to our hotel at about 12.30 at night, and that was without going to a party. Oh, my. Um, we actually voted this morning. A lot of what we're, you're watching TV right now is really for TV. Uh, the ballot was done in the morning. Um, I should add it was not an accessible ballot. 
uh, I had to have two people uh, basically move my hand to fill in the dots and sign my name, which is really? kind of disappointing. But <clears throat> um, we've been, uh, you know, doing a lot of shouting for Bernie Sanders. The convention's been a little crazy. The original two different people to chair the convention resigned mm-hmm. um, over um, con- uh, the email. controversies having to do with um, trying to basically swing the election for Hillary Clinton. So mm-hmm. Debbie Wasserman Schultz and then Donna Brazil determined they were not going to be the um, the chairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what, what state are we, what state are we up to? Guam. We're up to Guam. So Guam just voted. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we're expecting is if it starts to get close to the to the number that she has, um, we're expecting that the um, that the, that the party will try to vote by acclamation, which we're actually looking to um, not let them do. We want to keep the roll call going all the way to the end so that every state gets their vote in. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we may not be able to get that done. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it is crazy. It is just 20,000 people, and there's a lot of passion and yelling, and um, there's TV cameras everywhere. Uh, if you're not careful, you get hit in the head with a battery from a TV camera. And, oh, my. Um, there, there's... There's uh, the famous news people all over the place. Uh, yesterday, I, I talked with Carl Bernstein, the famous news reporter, for mm-hmm. a while. And mm-hmm. we had um, uh, Dana Bash from CNN. And uh, I've talked to people from thestreet.com and Bloomberg Business Week. And um, so what, what you're hearing in the background is every time a state is mentioned, <clears throat> the, the, the party head of that state comes up and says a lot of things about their state. Like Connecticut claimed that they invented the hamburger or pizza. <laughs> Um, yes, and then and then they they and then they claim the number of votes for Senator Sanders and all the Bernie people get up and make a lot of noise, and then they say the Clinton votes and the Clinton people all make a lot of noise, and um, so you'll hear them say this and there's the Clinton people cheering, and we and we basically go alphabetically and they, except for that we skip uh, the home state of uh, the candidate, so oh. they can sort of usually be the one that puts them over the top. Uh huh. Um, but uh, we don't know who will do it this year. We don't know if it'll be Arkansas or if it'll be. Vermont. You know, sometimes it could be Vermont, or they let um, mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders they put her over the top. But uh, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it's really hours of mayhem. Uh, it, you know, intermixed with performances by people like Paul Simon and uh, the comedian Sarah Silverman and Eva Longoria was here last night. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. Uh, we have speeches last night, Bernie Sanders and Michelle Obama and Elizabeth Warren spoke. Mm-hmm. So it's always, it's always crazy. Mark, um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm interested in you saying that you all actually voted this morning. I didn't realize that there was a, a, a previous vote and that this vote is just, just window dressing. Yeah, it's sort of, well, it's not quite. I mean... There's no way to effectively have each one of, of the 5,000 people vote from here on the floor. Mm-hmm. So what, we, what they do is they fill out a ballot um, to have a, a legal document of it. And then tonight is really where they're reporting it. But we've all known the outcome because the, de- the first delegates were all pledged in advance and don't change their vote. Mm-hmm. And, the, um, uh, and the super delegates are pretty clear as to what we, we know they're going to do. Mm-hmm. So there's not really a lot of surprise here, although... Um, you can have an abstained vote. You can have a super delegate that changes their vote, but but really the vote happens in the morning, and this is really a reporting of the vote. 
mm-hmm. um, and a recording of the vote um, that's that's 100% official. Mm-hmm. But okay. to some degree, yeah, this is kind of done partly for TV. Mm-hmm. But it, but it's still the official record. So it's kind of winter dressing, but it's kind of official at the same time, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. And, and we also had a lunch with uh, several of the other blind delegates today where we got together and talked about the issues that affect blind people. But, um, you know, we have five blind people here with white canes. Um, we sure want more. You know, I think where, where our hope is that, you know, by being present and hopefully by getting some interviews on TV and radio and, and I talking to you guys, um, you know, that, that next year we can maybe have 12 blind delegates. Mm-hmm. And that's for both parties. I mean, I want to see blind delegates at the Republican Party and at the Democratic Party. I want to see blind delegates at the Green Party and the Libertarian Party. Um, you know, we, we just need to get our numbers up everywhere and be, be, be stronger advocates and uh and, and visible and, and just get out there. You know, a lot of people at these events are just kind of not used to seeing us at these events. So mm-hmm. it's, it's really a big deal to make sure that we're here and in number. <laughs> so someone got up from Indiana and did a very creative vote, I guess. Um, <laughs> you, know, you, know, you never know what's going to happen next. <laughs> So, Mark, what will you do now? The the vote is now, and then you still got a couple more days to go. So, yeah, what will happen in those days? So, it's a bit ceremonial. So, she'll be put into nomination today. But, you know, we go through this whole Robert's Rules of Orders thing. So, she'll be nominated, and then she'll have gotten the number of votes to be there, but she won't actually accept it until Thursday. So, right. tomorrow, okay. we'll, have spe- we'll have more speeches. Uh, probably by uh, Tim Kaine and probably a speech by uh, Barack Obama um, or maybe Bill Clinton. And then um, on Thursday, she'll actually accept the nomination and be introduced by, by Chelsea. That kind of makes it official. So there is a possibility in a convention that that, that that first vote does not determine the outcome. So you have to have enough days in case it doesn't go as, as sort of pre-scripted. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is pretty pre-scripted. We're, we're, everything's kind of going the way people thought it would be, with the exception of um, losing the two chairs and also um, the, the the amount of volume that the Bernie Sanders supporters are continuing to bring to the table, which uh, if you're a Sanders supporter, you're probably pretty happy about. And if you're a Clinton supporter, uh, you probably feel... You know, people aren't, aren't, should be unifying, and they're not doing it yet. When it comes to you getting around and the, just the logistics, has has that been um, relatively doable? Has has it been a big problem? You know, how how are things just going to get from place to place? Oh, they're really, 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 really hard. Um, I won't. I won't. Um, we didn't think we were going to be allowed to have a personal sighted assistant. Um, at first, I only found out Wednesday night at 10 p.m. that I was going to get a, a sighted assistant, and I had to scramble over the next basically day and a half to find someone. Um, I kind of called all my friends and saw, but nobody could take a whole week off of work. Um, my mother-in-law was actually in Las Vegas on a vacation, and she very graciously uh, changed her plans and came out to help me as a sighted assistant. But um, I would say that that. The crowds here are so dense that a guide dog would absolutely not work. Mm-hmm. And um, even with a white cane, um, you're often in a situation where you can't extend it by more than a few inches. And uh, it's very confusing, and it's very, very loud, and it's very dark. And 
Um, you, you, uh, yeah, I, I don't know that there's any way to do this really um, effectively without having a sighted person uh, mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and who can also describe things for you because we're far for audio description. I'm going to let you get back to your delegation. I, this has just been super that you were willing to talk with us right there on the floor. Well, thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon. Page 5, The Sound Prince Calendar. On August 7, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will have its committee meeting evening. The Advocacy Committee will meet at 7 p.m., Education and Technology at 8, and Activities at 9. The conference call number is 605-475-6006, and the code is 294444. On August 9, the Support Alliance for the Visually Impaired, SAVVY, will have its next meeting from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church in Owensboro. Officer Courtney Yearington, Owensboro Police Department, will discuss common scams and how to avoid them. The address of the Baptist Church is 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. Call Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418 for more information. On August 11, the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind will have its August conference call meeting at 7 p.m. Eastern Time by phone. The number is 605-475-4700 and the code is 155619. For more information, call Jerry Slusher at 859-781-7369. On August 12, Another GLCB roundabout will take place. The number for more information is 502-895-4598. On August 13, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will have its board meeting at 11 a.m. on the conference line at 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. Also on August 13 is Cinema Saturday, featuring the Book of Eli, a movie from 2010, shown at 12.30 p.m. at the American Printing House for the Blind. This is an audio-described movie which features an important visually impaired character. This movie is rated R. The activity is free. Call the Printing House Museum at 502-899-2213 for more information. On August 14, The KCB Next Generation chapter will hold its conference call meeting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time by phone. The number is 605-475-6006 and the code is 294444. On August 15, the Kentucky Council of the Blind will hold its board meeting at 8 p.m. on the same conference line. On August 16, the Tri-State Library users will have a program conference call at 8 p.m. And again, it will be on the same conference line, 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. August 19 is another GLCB roundabout. Call 502-897-1472 for details. On August 21, the Kentucky School for the Blind Alumni will hold its next meeting by conference call at 8 p.m. Eastern, 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. 
On August 22, the Guide Dog Users of Kentucky will hold its August conference call meeting at 7 p.m. on the same conference line. August 24, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind will have its peer support group meeting from noon to 2 p.m. at the BCB office in Lexington. This will include lunch and a speaker. Wheels Pass is available for attendees upon request. Call 859-259-1834 to sign up. On August 26th is the last GLCB roundabout of the month, 502-897-1472 for more information. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Soundprints. Have a great week, everybody.